Hello and welcome to Blackdress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Earl Was Wrong by Britt Bell. This was just published in 2023 and full disclosure, we received a complimentary copy for our review. We've never reviewed anything by this author before. As far as we're aware, this is not part of a series. So mm -hmm. I think we just dive right into it with the book jacket because there's really no housekeeping. Yeah, this is a debut novel, uh, and I have to say that I love the cover. Like, the cover is very cute. It is an, a, a cartoon cover that I think is very pretty. It's so cute, right? It's cute. It's, I really it's, like it. I still have a preference for... Like a clinch cover. Like a clinch cover, exactly, but... If you're going to do an art style cover, I think that's the best one I've seen. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I'm into it. I like it. All right. So the book jacket. An earl has no choice but to marry. When his father died, 16-year-old Sebastian inherited a crumbling earldom. He dedicated himself to becoming a respectable lord. And now, a decade later, he will do anything to prevent his scandalous sister from undermining his status even marry a sensible spinster. Emmeline ought to be the ideal wife, but she is less biddable and more bettable than he expects. To his dismay, feelings beyond friendship begin to emerge. Although intimacy breeds affection, can it inspire love? A lady with an impeccable reputation. Born a vicar's daughter, Emmeline has dedicated herself to her younger siblings and, as a result, has been too busy to consider her own future. At 24, marriage seems unlikely until she meets a practical lord who offers her the very thing she's always dreamed of, a family of her own. Sebastian ought to be the perfect husband, but he can be overbearing and emotionally distant. To her relief, she begins to catch glimpses of a kind, caring man behind his cold exterior. Can she convince him that they deserve more than a marriage of convenience? Meg got two rhetorical questions. I did. I did. But can I say, I love them. I do love them. The so. only thing I wish this jacket had that it doesn't is a reference to the fact that he is like super smoking Adonis hot. <laughs> yes. Both because it is relevant to the text, but also because I think what... Britt Bell does really well here for a debut novel is just lean into these are books about women. Mm -hmm. Like these are books read by women. These are books meant to inspire. So like they're both these practically minded characters who sort of are very willing to engage in this marriage of convenience, but one like they both find it convenient, mm -hmm. except she's like relatively average. Yeah. And he is just like a 15 out of 10 and stops traffic. I loved it. I I cannot tell you how much I loved that lane. Me too, which is why I wish it had been, it would have been oh. the easiest thing to squeeze into the jacket. Yeah. And I think would have really been a shorthand for, I get it. I get the genre. I like this genre. I get it. Yeah. Well, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50. And for this episode, that number was 14. Uh, then we wrote our own summaries using that number as a word count. Uh, Lane, I'm going to go ahead and start. So my 14-word okay. summary is, Needed one wife to serve as good influence on sisters. Beauty preferred, but unnecessary. Really unnecessary. 
I mean, honestly, probably I shouldn't even be preferred because he's kind of like, oh, God, I think she's hot. Yeah. Like, beauty is a distraction. <laughs> yes. Beauty is irrelevant. Beauty is irrelevant. Yes. Yes. How about All you? Right. Uh, so my 14-word summary. Emmeline knows Sebastian better than he knows himself, even though they were complete strangers. I mean, it's true, but also, as you have pointed out, this is a fantasy, like, for women. So I kind of get it. Yeah, no, that's, it's a statement of fact, not a statement of complaint. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, tropes. The big one is marriage of convenience. So it's, he's, it's um, as the book jacket says, a guy who inherited the earldom much younger than he was expecting to. But what the jacket doesn't get at is the estate was kind of a disaster, both financially and organizationally. His father had been sort of a shitty earl and his grandfather before his father. And so he got taken in by a relative who sort of showed him the ropes of actually managing a successful estate and pulling the earldom out of the basement. Mm -hmm. It's not flourishing yet, but it's on the path to being much, much better. Um, and so he never really gave a thought to like marriage or society and has fallen out with all of his siblings and grown super distanced from the family. And she conversely is from like a family that was never meant to inherit. So her older brother like inherited from his father technically, but after only like nine months of his father being the Baron or the Viscount or whatever. And before that, it had been some like 14th cousin twice removed or some shit. So she's not very refined. Like she didn't go to finishing school. She didn't grow up expecting to be a lady of the ton. But because of that, she's sort of always been in the background. Right. And so there's I mean, she's really, yeah, she's really focused on, you know, raising her family. And so that's like when it's a marriage of convenience, there's no external pressure other than what they both want. He's sitting there like, wow, I've taken my place in society. I've restored the dukedom. The next natural thing to do is to take a wife, which is especially useful given the unruliness of my sort of non-traditional family. And she's thinking, I've raised my siblings. I've given up on the idea of having a family of my own. I'm being given the opportunity to have a family of my own, be mistress of my own house. And oh shit, he's a higher ranked peer than my brother and hot as fuck. Like where, where is the downside? But, like, yeah. this is truly, I feel like there's often pressure on one of them to marry from outside. And I really liked, like, I think this is the first marriage of convenience I've ever read, where it is just the two of them making a mercenary decision for themselves. Yeah. It, I wouldn't even call it, like, a selfish decision. Just really, like, a, I'm going to put myself first a little bit right now. Or I've decided this is what I need. No one is making me do this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, yes, yeah. there's a degree of selflessness in his, I want her to be a caretaker to my sisters. Well, and, you know, we even talk about marriages of convenience where um, she's doing it to save her family, for example. Exactly. And so, yeah, like, it would be good for her personally, but it would be even better for the family, right? Right. And she doesn't. She doesn't have to consider that. And I also really liked that both her family and his family are like, okay, are you sure you want to jump into this really quickly? And they're both yeah, like, I'm trying to understand why you're getting married after three days. Like, and they're both like, you know, we don't see any reason to delay. <laughs> We've discussed it and we agree on everything. So it's fine. Yeah. 
Uh, he is a virgin hero. Meg, talk about your joy. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. He's just, it makes sense, though. That's what I really like about, in general, like, virgin hero, you have to explain it in mm -hmm. some way, right? Whereas, apparently, if you're a rake, you don't have to explain it, which is kind of an interesting dichotomy when you think about it. Rake, but, hero, virgin heroine is sort of the default. Right. And here they're both virgins, um, but it makes sense for him, too. One of his defining characteristics is that he's, like, super starchy, super upright, very moral, very much like this is the moral code, and if I deviate from it, bad things will happen. Right. So it makes total sense that this guy is a virgin. They also allude to the fact that he had, like, one failed attempt at courtship in his past. And then when it's revealed what it is, it is so not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's been really dramatized by the one time he considered deviating. And by deviating, I mean kiss someone. Yep. <laughs> and it was a total disaster. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It was. Uh, so Lee mentioned that he was raised by his uncle. That one of the things I thought Britt Bell did actually very well in this book was the family dynamics. His family dynamics, I'll agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just this really interesting family that's dysfunctional in its own specific ways, mm -hmm. right? And uh, when everything comes out, like none of them are evil or cruel or mercenary or doing it for their own reasons, because for maybe one of them, but she's not evil or cruel. Um, but they're also just normal people who maybe make bad decisions. Yeah, I, I think all that worked a little less well for me. Mm. Sure. So he, we mentioned, is starchy and moral for a lot of reasons. And one of them is that his parents were flighty and not just in the sense that his father drove the them into ruin but apparently they like were a scandal when they got together they just spent all of their time like fucking in inappropriate places and getting caught <laughs> it was pretty horrible by like their children and society yeah and they so were just... he's like not in an abusive way but definitely in a neglectful one. Yes. He's like super traumatized by physical affection and feelings because he thinks it leads people to neglect like basic human decency. Well, I mean, and so he is the reasons, I will never fall know? in love, but he's the I will never fall in love because his parents made him watch them have sex. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> I mean, not quite that bad, but but yeah. But like they didn't care if he found them. Right, right, exactly. They were like, yeah. we're married, we're in love, whatever. And, you know, to be honest, a lot of the time I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to fall in love. And here, I mean, yes, it was pretty silly, but I was like, well, you know, he has, <laughs> he has some proof. He's got, maybe, like, this know. man needed therapy. Yes. Not just because he was a man who struggled to have man feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about a lot of the other things I wrote as tropes in sort of the summary. Have. So, like, let's just keep talking and we'll get to more, I'm sure. Okay. I mean, one of the big uh, things that happens in this book, I don't know if I'd call it a trope, but is there's a ton of miscommunication. Yes. Usually, this is just, I'm just not interested in that. I'm like, why would I want to read it? 
But as I was reading this one, I think I've come to the conclusion that I don't like it when it's supposed to be two people who are in love with each other miscommunicating. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in love with them, then you would at least for from my perspective, you would at least feel comfortable going to them and being like, hey, like, what just happened? What's going on? Let's talk about this. That was a weird letter that you sent me. That was a weird thing that happened. What's going on? Right. Here, as Lane said, they agree to get married after three days. Like, they meet each other at a ball. <laughs> he goes to visit her at, like, calling hours. And then the next day he proposes. Mm -hmm. You know? And so they haven't talked about their dreams, their desires, their goals. She doesn't realize that he's the starchiest Earl who ever lived. You know, he doesn't realize that she's actually maybe a little more romantic than she comes off. And so the fact that they are miscommunicating just makes a lot of sense. You're like, well, of course they are. They're not, they haven't, they haven't learned how to talk to each other. Right. And so it made sense to me that part of this book really leans in hard on them learning about each other and learning how to communicate with each other. So didn't bother me here. I agree. Um, they aren't understanding each other, but they have no basis on which to understand one another. Like, and, the, you know, even things that would usually frustrate me, like they spend a lot of the time, page time of this book apart. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they don't have an underlying base of affection. Right. Their only underlying base is a legal contract. And that's a very different dynamic. Mm hmm. So. So anyway, I just want to say go into this book expecting miscommunication, but it's miscommunication that somehow just really worked for me. I don't know. I won't say that it's like my favorite trope to read, but I was like, okay, this, it makes sense to me for these characters. That's it. It makes sense. I wasn't sitting there going, oh my God, just talk to him. Because exactly. like, she didn't know him at all. Exactly. And the same for him. I wasn't there going, well, a little more on his side. I was like, oh, you should probably share the reason why you're doing this with her. Right. But even just little things, like there's a really early on scene where she goes to the dressmaker and the dressmaker's like, ah, he manages the purse strings really on a, like a micromanager level. Yep. And she's just really taken aback by that. And she doesn't know if it's personal. She doesn't know if it's like something she doesn't know about the estate. Like she really doesn't know what to base this feeling on. And it makes sense that he's a new husband. He now controls her financially. That all she's going to say is, thanks for letting me buy the dresses. And not, can we unpack the financial situation that led you to make that decision? Yep, exactly. Exactly. That's a great example. Good example. And Lane. a minor, like one that doesn't really spoil much. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he was, he did act like a jerk sometimes. Yes. But he was young. He was stupid. It's his first relationship ever. I was able to forgive him. Also, I because forgive, he wasn't malicious. I forgive him for the stuff with her. Mm. Some of the stuff with his family frustrated me. Yeah, I get and it. Let's, honestly, let's more in terms family. of the miscommunications didn't work for me. Yeah. Than just like he did some unforgivable shit. Let's it's talk both. about the family. Let's talk about the family. Yeah. Because, so we talked about his mother and father who were so in love with each other that they were basically blinded to the outside world. Right. Which led the estate into decay, basically. 
and he he's got one brother and three sisters. Yes. And they basically were raised like wild creatures, you know, like very neglected by their parents. Right. And so they had formed these very tight-knit relationships between the siblings. Right. After his father dies, Sebastian is still very young, 16 years old. He gets adopted by his uncle, but his brother and sisters stay with his mother. Right. And Back so, at the family estate, he and his uncle moved to London. Yes. So he's living with his uncle who saves the estate from the brink of ruin. Um, and so financially and practically, this is not a bad decision. But it leads to this giant break with the rest of his family. Right. And, I mean, this is... We can talk for we could talk for a long time, I think, about whether or not like what was going on with this uncle and why this decision was made. Like, on the one hand, do you remove all of the children from their mother? Mm -hmm. Right. On the other hand, he had to have an idea that things were not great on the estate. Right. You know, so they were really raised in these very disparate circumstances and had very different upbringings. Mm hmm. And so now Sebastian's older and he's taking over as head of the family and he doesn't know how to deal with his brother or sisters. He just doesn't know what to do with him. And neither does his mother. Mm, well, his mother does the same thing she's always done, which is just ignore them or Except do what she now wants. now instead of ignoring them to fuck around with his father, because clearly his father died in order for him to inherit, she's fucking around with younger men. <laughs> yes. And, like, on the one hand, I was like, oh, you go, Vivian. And on the other hand, I was like, Vivian, like, you are a mom, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you can do both. Those five kids didn't come out of nowhere. Well, she knows that. Yeah, that's... <laughs> um, so his sister is uh, debuting in London. It's her first season. And she is acting fast, just like her mother. She's taking a page out of her mother's book. She's kissed several men. Um, several married men. Yes. Uh, and, di you know, different ones, not the same dude, uh, on different nights. So she's getting a reputation. His brother is also getting a reputation. Um, you know, he's a man about town. He's an actual rake. <laughs> no. He came to London one time. Like, yes. broke his brother's edict, came to wait London, and ended up getting involved with a married woman. With a married woman. So it's not, he doesn't have a reputation in terms of, like, lots of women, rakes, staying true. out. But the one time he came to London, he caused a massive scandal. Yep, yep, excuse me. I guess we have different de definitions of rake, but that's okay. Yeah, okay, fair. That's that's more of a pedantic discussion. Yeah. But yeah, but um Sebastian really comes down hard on both of them. He he obviously and his mother. And his mother. To the reader, it's obvious that I mean, he's like what? 26? Yes, exactly. And doesn't know like he's 26 years old. He doesn't know how to be head of the family, how to discipline anyone. Like he's been living with his uncle this entire time as a dependent. And like, should it be his job to be his sibling's keeper? Exactly. Right. So so I did, again, even though he he wasn't, like, super sympathetic um, and made a lot of bad decisions, I didn't dislike him. I agree with that. Right? 
So could he have been more evolved and done better? Absolutely. Did he have the capacity to do that? I don't know. I agree. I think for me, a lot of page time was spent on the dynamics between him, his mom, and these two oldest siblings mm-hmm. at the expense of almost everything else in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like even though she was supposed to come from this really close family, her f- family was a generic slate of set dressing characters just meant to show how maternal she was inherently. Mm-hmm. He has a best friend character who's like a man of the people and owns a bar who is like just such a token middle class person. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that this that specific character added a ton. Yeah, and his two first, younger sisters were just generic two younger sisters who don't know their brother very well. Yeah. Um, and I, so essentially the entire book is just him and Emmeline and his dynamic with his mother and these two oldest siblings. And while I completely agree with you that the foundation was fascinating, some of the way they interacted bothered me particularly the way he interacted with his brother and a lot of the jealousy he had surrounding his brother and Emmeline and particularly I like in particular I found it very distressing and did not enjoy reading it yeah I I can't say it's my favorite thing but I okay so he gets jealous basically because he 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 wants Emmeline. He tells her, what I want you to do is I want you to form relationships with my siblings so right. that we can be a happy family again, basically. And he's like, you know right. how to do this because I see you're really close with your family, so I want you to help. And so she's just doing what he asked her to do. And so she she makes friends with Edward and um, Sebastian sees it and he's like, oh, why isn't she comfortable with me? (laughs) Is she in love with Edward? (laughs) And so, yes, he's jealous, but I think, and this shouldn't be refreshing. This should not be refreshing, Lane, and I completely understand that. But the fact is, he didn't, like, yell at Emmeline about it. He, like, talked to Edward about it and was, like, kind of jealous. I don't know. I yelled at Emmeline, too, twice. Yeah, but I I don't know. I it just I, to me it went on too long. That's fair. Like I understand this is a brother he doesn't know very well. This is a wife he doesn't know very well. But like it kept coming up, and I was like, this is like some Jerry Springer shit. I don't need. <laughs> like overall, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I really liked her coming into her own. I particularly liked his character growth. I thought, like you said, the family dynamics that were presented were really fascinating. But for reasons I can't totally put my finger on, this just, there were moments that really didn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. His, I will say, at first, I thought his friend was going to be like Belinda's match in future books. I thought his friend was going to have a personality. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure, like, looking back on it, I'm not sure what purpose the friend served. Especially if, as it seems, it, it seems that Belinda's not going to have a love interest. My only thought about the best friend, because I completely agree with everything you've said, is that it was a way to show that for all that Sebastian was, like, this upright, starchy, like, aristocracy-minded person. 
his best friend was middle class. So he wasn't, he might be starchy and upright and moral, but he's not snobby. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, fair. Another way to convey that he wasn't going to look down on her for her not being raised to be a countess. That's fair. All right. But that, anything could have served that purpose. You know what I mean? Like it's It's true. A lot of things could have. This character's invention just for that is insubstantial. Yeah. Well, I I, I quite enjoyed it. I quite yeah. enjoyed it, especially for a debut novel. Uh, no, I agree. I, I overall really liked the experience of reading it. The, I just was left feeling a little dissatisfied at the end, and I'm not 100% sure why. That's fair. I mean, I have a guess, but it would be a huge spoiler, so. Okay, well, we can talk about it later. Yeah. In Well, in like five minutes. Yeah. Um, content warnings? Oh, one thing we've already talked about, he and his siblings were definitely neglected Mm -hmm. emotionally. You know, they weren't abused or anything. I don't want to, like, make this into a bigger deal, but they were children left to run amok because their parents really didn't give a shit about them. Well, yeah, they were, they were neglected. Um, yeah, you're right, because it's not like they didn't have clean clothes or food or shelter or anything like that. But, yeah, they didn't have the love and affection from their parents that they should have had. And then um, the fact that the family was split up was, I mean, I think that could be triggering as well. So, Well, and, and I know that this is a very modern concept applied to a time period where it did not exist. But, like, in using modern parlance, he was parentified. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they, they, so what Brit Bell does with this virgin hero is she really ma- lets him be a virgin hero and be very bad at sex. At the so beginning. I think this segues into sexiness. So just mm-hmm. an FYI, if like uncomfortable sex scenes where like there's not a question of consent, but only because the concept didn't really exist and she's his wife and like there's no foreplay, there's no anything, there's just getting the quote unquote job done. Mm-hmm. It was just, it worked in the text, but if you don't want to read a woman laying there and thinking of England. Yeah. I mean, one thing, one thing that did, that I thought was interesting was that he does realize relatively soon that it should probably be better for her. (laughs) (laughs) Like the first time he was like, that was awesome. And then he was like, oh, she doesn't seem... Like kind of like it's into it, and I thought she would be, <laughs> you know. So like he does figure it out, like yes, pretty quick. Well, he figures out that she should be more into it. Does he figure out the sex part right away? No, he goes to his younger brother for sex tips. It was hilarious. It was so funny. I liked it. It was so funny. I really liked it. And then they do figure it out later, and it does get in my opinion pretty sexy yeah you know they the okay the one thing i will say is that the sex plays into his issues right and so there are times there's a time when he's making out with her and his sister walks in on them and obviously this is like triggering for him because he's like oh my god i'm doing just what my parents did He's not doing just what his parents did, right? But to him, there's no difference, and he doesn't quite realize it. And so it does affect the the relationship and the relationship trajectory mm-hmm. in a negative way. And 
I think Lane and I are on the same page when we said we want the sex to serve the relationship and move it forward and not move it backward. But it worked with this plot. It did. It, like, I didn't hate it. I The one thing I was just like, oh, like, I, I wish that had gone down differently. Yeah. Um. To me, once the sex stopped being... Uh, uh, hmm. Once the sep- sex stopped being purely perfunctory, uh huh, it definitely got sexier. Yeah. But the way sex had to be used for this plot was not the sexiest thing. There we go. Perfect. All yeah. right. My one spoiler tag. This is a big spoiler, but not that important to the review. I think you can tell we like this. Good job, Britt Bell. Really fun debut novel. Thumbs up. We're looking forward to reading the next one, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, honestly. I'm assuming not Belinda, but maybe Edward. I want to read Edward. I'd read Edward. For sure. I'm in. So, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to stick around for the spoiler, it's coming up right now. I think I was annoyed she was pregnant. hmm Like, yeah. I get that the whole point was that this was like a marriage of convenience to produce children. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. They they done the bare minimum of finally kind of being on the same page mm-hmm. and like having an honest conversation. And and I get that they didn't like decide to be together because she was pregnant. But I think it's just disappointing that like in terms of envisioning the happy ever after, they didn't get to continue on like building their rapport before they started like sprogging. Yeah, I did. It didn't bother me. I think. Number one, because that was like her whole raison d'etre. Like that was her whole reason for even being in the relationship was because she was like, I do want to have children. And she thought right. she wasn't gonna have the chance to do it. So she was getting again, this serves this serves the um the written by women for women kind of thing where she gets what she wants, like she gets whatever she wants, and that was one of the things she wanted. And then yeah, yeah and then the other thing too was that the other reason she was in the relationship was again to be a parent so she was already parenting the the siblings and so i was like yeah it it didn't bug me quite as much i think he just hadn't gone through quite enough fake therapy it's fair i i hear before you. i was ready to see him be a father i hear you I, that's that's where it's more coming from i do hear and understand you <laughs> Yeah, like I get what you were saying, and I agree. Like this is her fantasy come to life. I needed a little bit more personal growth from him, and like more than just one grand gesture before I was like, "Yes, he's gonna be a good co-parent." Yeah, I hear you. I do hear you. <laughs> I, I don't know. In general, I'm just really impressed with like a lot of these indie romances coming out these days. Yeah. I don't know. I just really like. I really like that the angst here was not like had nothing to do with like sexual abuse or you know rape or anything like that i don't know and i can't that's the hill i'll die on so yes i don't know i'm just i i i like this one a lot i really enjoyed i really i know i really enjoyed reading it and i think some of this is like my own malaise right now this was really fun and enjoyable but it was not a like i feel like i'm gonna get burned picking it up because it's just so damn hot which yeah. is not like that was not what Brippa was trying to do. Like, no, no. So it's just what you are kind of in the mood for. It's what right? I'm in the mood for. And I yeah. feel like everything that's not giving me scorching right now is a little bit like, eh, it was sexy, I guess. 
I hear you. All right. Well, if you stuck with us, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that. We appreciate it. <laughs>